This is Joe Verisco with JRV Majesty Productions, and today we're going to be listening to a segment of an interview conducted by myself for StoryCorps at the Chicago Cultural Center with author H. Melt. My name is H. Melt. I'm 23. Today is September 14th, 2013. I'm at the Chicago Cultural Center, and I'm here with one of my best friends, Joe Verisco. So, um... We have so many, so many things to talk about, um, and uh, I want to dive right in to talk about um, what your work is as a writer, and kind of over the last several months, year really, um, how that has changed um, and and developed your relationship to the queer community in Chicago. So, speaking specifically, uh, let's kind of look at what your last big piece was that you wrote and have put out survival in the second city. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So survival was kind of my first, um, non self published book. It was a chat book of poems. Um, it had a few visual elements to it as well. And it kind of was my introduction to the world. I think more broadly as a trans poet and, really allowed me to kind of put my name out there and establish myself as someone who is in Chicago, who is participating in queer arts movements here, and who wants to make broader connections throughout the country, throughout the world, to other queer and trans writers and artists, and just people who are looking to make the world a better place for ourselves and share our stories. Wonderful. And that's uh, that's led to all of these amazing other opportunities, um, including um, writing for Original Plumbing. Yeah. Uh, which is really amazing. And can you talk a little bit about that and maybe give a little bit of information about what Original Plumbing is? Yeah, so Original Plumbing uh, is pretty recent. It is a physical print magazine it's a quarterly print magazine specifically focused kind of on trans male culture um, but it also talks about you know the kind of broader spectrum of trans life uh, their most recent issue was on kind of trans heroes and trans history and they're kind of like from my perspective one of the go-to sources for finding really kind of public information about trans people produced by trans people. Mm -hmm. And they cover a range of topics from health to hair to work. Um, And as well as a print magazine, they also have a website that's really become this community hub and this place for trans dialogue. And so when I put out the book, one of my big goals was to get a review by Original Plumbing. And luckily, someone that I had sort of known and had connections to was writing for them here in Chicago. And they came to the release party and uh, wrote something for the site. And I had also sent Original Plumbing a copy of my book as well. And then I'd started... I'd written a um, review of this trans and gender queer poetry anthology called Troubling the Line, which just came out recently. And I sent it to them, you know, just kind of out of the blue, seeing if they would publish it. 
and they did they're interested and then i sort of just kept writing <laughs> essays and kind of sending them to them and then they asked me to write cool so the uh the review that original plumbing wrote about your book um i remember reading uh was really great i think one of the um, one of the most important things was they were talking about being at the release event itself and talking yeah. about kind of the intersectionality that they witnessed there. And mm -hmm. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what the importance and values of intersectionality in your own queer community are and kind of um, the origins of that, like how you became involved with queer community in Chicago. Yeah, so I think, well, that's something that's really important to me and that I wanted to include at the release party, making sure that the people who performed before me, um, who I kind of have connections to and whose work I love, came from all different parts of the city, you know, were just represented a wide range of people from young people um, to, you know, people like yourself um, to, you know, people from the south side, people from the west side, people from the suburbs. And that's something that's always kind of been important to me and I've seen especially the importance of that here in the queer community and modeled that after you as well is the importance of just having a balance of different types of stories and that's something I tried really hard to achieve at the release party um, but also I saw that with the last issue of Chicago IRL I think with which was this um publication here in Chicago that featured art and literature and interviews with queer artists in the city and beyond as well and was open to submissions but from you know I have all the issues one through four and I saw from the very first issue to the last issue it improved in terms of its inclusiveness and that was something that was really great for me to see and I feel like that's a great model for how all things in the city should be run. And that's something that I see at Lexica as well, too, which is the event that you host at Beauty Bar. The event that I host? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And not, not everyone had, like, it's really obvious to me when I go somewhere and people don't have that sort of consciousness of making sure that they have a range of people in the room from a variety of different perspectives. And so I always kind of feel uncomfortable when, when there's not. And I think that that kind of relates to my philosophy about the queer community in the sense that I don't believe in separatism and I want to always be in a room that is as mixed as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I think that that is incredibly important to in in the community work that we do and the creative work that we do is to continuously draw the margins towards the center um, and uh, and make sure that we reflect upon the importance of elements within our community that require and deserve more attention. Right, and that doesn't mean that we have to assimilate, right, to be accepted or, you know, to be in spaces where there's a range of people. It just means that those people have to kind of do the work of ensuring that we can be ourselves mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that we don't feel pressure to be something that we're not just to 
feel comfortable in in a particular space. Yeah. And and one of the things you've done in in order to like kind of draw more attention to that is to critique some of these um some of the institutions that don't live up to those um those expectations um or those I, I, I hesitate to say ideals because mm-hmm. they shouldn't be ideals, but um, especially considering the, the amount of power that they have. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you've you've drawn attention to um, SAIC, uh, Lambda Literary, mm-hmm. um, Windy City Windy Times, City Times uh, the Humanities Festival. Festival. Um, and so, what is you know maybe you could talk a little bit about what it means to put yourself in the position of being. Uh, a, I guess in a, a a political activist slash critic of these institutions, yeah. it's scary, you know. Um, and I I don't think about that. I just uh, someone asked me the question the other day, sort of, what do you sacrifice with your writing? And as a critic, I think I sacrifice as like kind of this public critic of places that may not be as inclusive gender-wise as they think that they are, you know, I risk relationships with those places, you know, by challenging institutions in Chicago, um, especially these cultural institutions, and as someone who is involved in that world and wants to work in that world, you know, I'm sacrificing potential opportunities and not being able to work with those places. But I'm not critiquing them because... I don't care about them or because I think that there's something inherently wrong with them. I'm critiquing them because I want them to improve and I want, I desperately want to be included in them, but you know, don't feel like they are places that, that I feel comfortable in yet or, you know, so I'm doing that work for not just myself, but, for really other people in the future because I know that probably in the past, you know, other trans or gender nonconforming people have had similar issues and, you know, maybe these people just don't know or maybe they do know and they don't care. And, you know, I, I don't want other people to walk into the spaces that I've walked into and experience the same problems. Right on. Um, and, and one of the things that I that you've talked about is um, an interest in creating spaces that are intentionally focused on um, on the margins, on the elements of the queer community, so that when people walk into those spaces, there's no, they don't have to worry about those questions. And, you know, we'll, we'll be like really specific and say that there's no way with even as much intentionality or criticality that is put into something that you're going to create a the safe space or a yeah, safe there's, space. Yeah, there's no such thing. Right. And- I don't think that's a problem. I think it's good that there's always work to be done. Yeah, yeah. But we can create safer spaces, and yeah. that's that's cool. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the ideas that you have about um, cr- creating a queer gallery space, a dedicated space for that, or a trans poetry center even. Yeah, you know, one one of the things I'm feeling right now is, like, there's not a lot of places for my work which is explicitly about trans lives and which is explicitly political and, you know, critical for not just to be critical, but to try and incite change, you know, in the best way that, that I know how. 
and there's not enough spaces especially here in Chicago for queer and trans artists specifically and one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently is you know having to create our own spaces because there is a lack or we don't fit into these other institutions um, even you know kind of mainstream gay or lesbian institutions and so some of my dreams right now are to open a queer art space or a queer art gallery where we can have workshops and have resources and have space to show our work because I feel like there isn't really a, a place for for that work um and you know I would love to start a trans poetry press because you know one of the things one of another one of my problems right now is I'm not seeing a unified trans poetry movement um in the way that I feel like other queer writers or you know gay men like have this it seems like they have their own kind of school or movement or you know specific things that they're writing about that is unifying them and I feel like as you know a trans writer a trans poet I, I it's really hard for me to to see that and so I'm reading trans fiction right now I'm reading you know a lot of nonfiction, but I'm not seeing a lot of trans poetry specifically even though I know that it's out there it's just incredibly hard to find yeah what do you think are some of the reasons behind that um and I know that we've already touched upon a couple of them uh the this like disunification um because uh you know, in some ways, I definitely feel like, you know, in some of the things we've mentioned, there's institutional problems that exist. Um, but what element do you think plays uh, culturally and also maybe um, generationally in, in finding a unification behind, uh, behind these writing? Well, trans literature is not new at all, obviously. Right. But right now is a really exciting time because I'm starting to see, you know, trans presses. I'm starting to see more trans books that defy the traditional kind of coming out or transition narratives. And that's incredibly exciting. And I think the people, you know, who control the publishing industry, um, you know, people, it's, it's really hard to write about, about yourself, about your life in the same way that it, you know, I wasn't able to identify as trans before knowing that that was something that was an option. And so I think it's hard to, to envision these stories that we want to write from our own perspectives, because that's one of the problems was that people were writing trans stories, but they weren't trans people who are writing them. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, <laughs> that's a huge problem. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't until 2013 that a, trans writers won in the transgender fiction category for the Lambda Literary Awards. And that's ludicrous. Right, right. Um, you know, and it wasn't until, you know, almost a decade after those awards were even created that there was a trans category. Um, and still there's only really, you know, a trans fiction and nonfiction where there's, you know, all of these different gay and lesbian categories. And so I think really what needs to happen right now and what is happening and is so exciting to see is that trans people are kind of taking ownership of of their own stories and are being 
unapologetic about it. This has been a JRV Majesty production and StoryCorps partnership. Stay tuned for part two of HMELT's interview coming out soon.